Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Mm. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Dan, what's that in your hand? Ooh, like a little Merlot, a little Howl Mountain from Hoops Vineyard. Uh, I was about to say, that's an awfully damn big uh, glass of bourbon. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, hey, so uh, so we're really excited that Lindsay Hoops has accepted our invitation, and uh, she shared a few bottles of wine with us. Uh, tonight, we're going to be sampling the 2014 Cabernet. We're going to be tasting the 2017 Rosé. And we're going to be tasting the Hal Mountain Merlot. Um, it's uh, you know it's a really interesting time they're having Dan out in uh, in California right now with uh, I think they're calling it the Glass Fire. Yep. And uh, you know it's a it, it, it it's a pretty cool thing. You know, think about the whole uh, I don't want to you know, the pandemic that's going on, and you know people are are how do you, how do we take advantage of a bad situation? And, and Lindsay has done just that. She's partnered with Marianne Eves, uh, what, uh, master distiller, mm-hmm. and they're taking some of the smoke tainted grapes and they're going to turn those into a brandy mm-hmm. of which, of which I hear as soon as they're bottled, we may get a chance to sample some of those with her. I would love that. Yeah, I bet you would. uh, Well, several brandies. I mean, they're doing 2017. They're doing 2020. They're doing some. I think they're. I don't know if they're doing Merlot. They are doing Merlot. I think they're doing some Merlot. Yeah, they're. Uh, Yeah, they're. Yeah, they're doing. And they're. They're. So they're doing all the varietals because uh, you know. So 2017, they're kind of sampling the barrels, as you'll hear. And it's like, well, we're not going to be able to use these because this is not the premium wine that that we can't turn this into the premium wine that Hoops Vineyard produces. So what can we do? with it other than just throw it out like we usually do yeah no and it's a fantastic story how she's pivoting with you know marianne's a pioneer on her own you know she's pivoting with marianne and making this and um she like she said she's kind of getting the word out now before it gets released because she wants to get the word out and help other people out in terms of this is a possibility don't don't throw it in the trash this is a possibility and then it's going to come out later hopefully later this, this year but also we, you and i were talking about you know the hoops vineyard story we love these stories we love these family-owned vineyards in like a napa or wherever to where it's not this conglomerate it's not this billionaire that just kind of threw money at it and it's a tax loss or whatever this is people these are people that are really passionate passionate about the wine business they love it they're living it and uh, uh, we, we love those stories. That's what we seek out. And I'm so pleased we got the chance to talk to her. I can't wait to get to Napa again. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You probably mentioned in the pods somewhere later on. But uh, 2021 Safeway, uh, <laughs> we're definitely going to need to make it out there. Lindsay, if you're listening, we need reservations. We do. Uh, and hey, and we will stay in the Airstream. Actually, we prefer to stay in there. They have two airstreams, by the way. We didn't get into yeah, we didn't get into that. They have two airstreams on property. They're turning one into like a kitchen, Uh, but the other one, I don't know what the other one's going to be. I'm like, uh, I can sleep on the floor, man. It's not that big of a deal. We love an airstream. We are airstream (laughs) fans. Yes, what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. 
yeah, so we had a great time chatting with her. Uh, the call did get cut a little short yeah. because uh, just with everything that's going on in California right now, it's a little shaky. Uh, so uh, bear with us. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little broken up. It does get better, and then uh, and then it's a drop. Uh, but you got a good probably close to an hour listen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just, just uh, hear it out. And we do have... Lindsay Hoops coming back on for a vermouth tasting, I think. Oh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. We're excited to have Lindsay Hoops from Hoops Vineyard on today. Lindsay, cheers. Cheers. I know. Where's my glass? (laughs) Oh, no. We're going to have to pause this. Where's your glass at? It's okay. I'm looking at a sea of inventory. I'm good. Mm, now, now you're really not only are you making us jealous with, uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll we we'll, we want to keep this fun and entertaining, so we won't get too much on the uh, on what's happening there. You've already turned it into fun, <laughs> and what looks like is going to be um, taking. Uh, I can't say lemons, but uh, you're going to take smoky grapes and turn them into smoky brandy. How much fun is that going to be? You know, honestly, I think it's already been an amazingly fun process. Obviously, it started in 2017 when I sort of explored every option I could think of to find some way to monetize our crop. Because obviously, as farmers, when we lose an entire vintage, we lose an entire year of revenue. So um, the unfun part was that whole process of running into a million dead ends and, you know, ending up with something that we didn't we couldn't drink that we couldn't sell that we couldn't enjoy. So, um, I've actually been having a ton of fun with Marianne in literally turning something that I thought was a total loss into something that I am beyond excited about, not just because it's a solution, but because it's actually been amazing to innovate with somebody as creative as she is. And by she, you know, obviously Marianne Eves, but, you know, actually create something beautiful out of a total loss, which, you know, I didn't know if it was possible, but it's, it's fun. So while everybody else is struggling a good bit, I'm actually having fun, which is terrible to say, but I think, you know, there, there is some beauty to solving a problem that actually might help all of my neighbors as well. So I'm very excited about the opportunity here to reinvent and to pivot like we've all been doing during COVID, but even more so in the Valley during the fires. So. Yeah, absolutely. So hold on, hold on. So we, we've jumped right into things and uh, that that's great. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to unpack that you just said. Uh, but by the way, that was a great, uh, so Dan and I were wondering what the agenda was going to be and you just uh, gave it to us. So I, it's going to be a great show. Uh, so hold Recording on. Recording to duty. <laughs> Hey, checks in the mail. Um, so, so we do like to open up with something uh, kind of, I don't know, fun or I don't know, maybe not different. I, I've been uh, definitely uh, you know, looked at, been looking at your Instagram page and is it the Oasis at Hoops or the Hoops Oasis or? Yeah, the Oasis by Hoops. I'm actually there right now. So. Okay, awesome. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to back away from there just for a second. And uh, you're inviting me. Do you live on the property? I do. Okay, so you're inviting, not, not me, but let's say you're inviting some friends over to the house, right? And, and these are new friends that have never been over to the house. And you're like, hey, come over, have dinner with me and my family. Uh, what are you serving us? Well, 
usually it's definitely going to be something that we pick in the garden because we do a lot of seasonal farming. We have an organic garden year round. And so most likely I love seeing the farm to table transformation. That was a dream of mine. And so when we put the garden in, I'm finally able to cook literally from the garden all year round. So it's definitely going to be that. But my husband is Indian. And in recent years, I've been learning a lot about cooking Indian food. So I might surprise you and do something with a lot of spices that everyone says does not pair with Napa wine. And I disagree. So uh, I'm going to absolutely. blow your mind. Yeah, so I'm gonna blow your mind with a pairing of super spicy Indian food made from fresh organic produce from the garden and paired with bomb ass wine from Napa <laughs> in an experience you didn't think you could have. That's yeah. dinner. Awesome, so uh, what time and what day? <laughs> uh, yesterday. <laughs> right. Oh, I hope that wasn't a dis, uh, uh, un invitation. <laughs> um, no, not at all. <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, so for the people that are listening that can't see us, um, so we, we've doing this kind of a funky way, but but it's working out. So, uh, so I've got the Hoops 2014 Cabernet. Uh, Dan has the Merlot which of which I did sample the Merlot. I've got, I don't, God, I hope this is not sacrilegious, but do you, have you ever, do you use one of these at all? Or do, do it's no, a No, I think they're amazing. Okay, so I'm holding up a, and we don't like to give free advertisements, but just, just for conversation's sake, I'm holding up a Coravin pin. So uh, Lindsay was nice enough to share a few bottles of wine, and we're kind of working through them, and Dan and I are not in the same city, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to taste the, the Merlot because I'm a cab guy, and I'm going I'm to make Dan drink the Merlot, and I'm like, I taste the Merlot, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> that, that was that, that I, I then so and there's that we're gonna we're, it's there's every it's all great juice but merlot if you will over the years right it's kind of a it's kind of taken a back seat to uh to cab for sure i would say just in the public's eye or in in the drinker's eye uh, that Merlot, and, and I guess it's also kind of a palate thing, right? And it's kind of what do you like and what do you do? As you can see, I got some whiskeys and scotches and stuff behind me. But that Merlot is absolutely amazing. I'm like, I want a steak as big, thick, juicy, and kind of as rare as I can get that thing. But uh, yeah, the, the Merlot I thought was fantastic. So Dan's having the Merlot, I'm having the 2014 Cabernet, and then we may get into, depending on when Lindsay hangs up on us or not, we may get into the Rosé. I uh, haven't gotten into that one yet. But um, so I guess, let me ask you this one. Um, is there, are, is there a particular reason that you sent these bottles or was it just like, uh, let's send them three randoms? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the reality is that your statement about Merlot is probably the industry understatement of the year. Merlot has been massacred by the media, by public interest, by, I mean, you name it. Everybody says Merlot, and it's almost a four-letter word these days. Not understanding that Merlot is one of the most important grapes in France, but because they don't call the wines Merlot, people drink them nonstop but refuse to buy a Merlot from California. Um, and the movie Sideways did the poor varietal no. absolutely no justice. Right. Um, but the irony in that movie that most people who aren't really into wine don't get is that the protagonist actually likes Merlot. It's his favorite wine. But 
it reminds him of his ex-wife mm. and you know we don't need to beg the question but i'm sure some people can understand that you know the love-hate relationship there and so at the end of the movie his favorite bottle of wine is actually a merlot that he's drinking out of the plastic cup or whatever it was so anyway i i feel so badly because it actually revolutionized the industry even though it was actually an inside joke <laughs> so, <laughs> so i sent it because i feel like it's a redheaded stepchild and so undeserved um because it is a fabulous wine and it's now become a unicorn it's hard to find in napa oh, wow. and the rosé i sent it to you all because everyone thinks it's a porch pounder something that ladies drink maybe because it's pink i know that that was sort of my dad's opinion uh for a while not a gender thing but just you know i don't know he didn't feel like it looked or presented like a bold cab but actually that's a rosé of cabernet oh. and in my mind it's a very interesting um, take on the rosé industry because Napa is known for Cabernet and you can make rosé out of any grape. So this is really a rosé for Cabernet drinkers, red wine drinkers, and it's amazing to pair with food. Like I said, that Indian dinner, I might be yep. serving it, but also if you look at... Um, you know, rosé is actually probably the best wine to serve with Thanksgiving dinner because it works really well with that sweet, savory, doesn't overwhelm the turkey. And so it's a really underappreciated wine for the fact that it can be sophisticated. It can be really nuanced. It can be drunk all year and actually paired with food. So I'm trying to change everybody's conceptions about what wine is and what you should be or shouldn't be drinking. I think there's a lot more to it. And wine can be brandy, too. <laughs> Isn't that the theme? That's, That's the theme. Uh, I mean, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. And, and uh, again, so uh, uh, thanks to Marianne Eves for, uh, I guess, connecting us or at least giving, uh, you know, giving us uh, an opportunity to introduce ourselves to you. And again, thank you for coming on the show. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, listen, the cab is fantastic. Uh, I, I haven't said this in years. I would actually... Uh, me personally, for my palate, I would go for the Malo. We'll crack into the uh, the rosé in a few minutes. But um, uh, yeah, I want to get into. Well, before we get into the brandy piece, uh, why don't you share? Uh, I'm sure you've shared it dozens of times. I can see the passion. Uh, we've uh, we've read up on the story, so we kind of know some background about you. I don't know if our listeners do yet, but why don't you give us uh, kind of the give us give us the hoop story that you'd like to give birdies in bourbon. Uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting into this uh, this brandy conversation. And uh, the the uh, so for those of you that don't know, and she'll this may be a repeat of uh, what she's uh, what Lindsay's going to tell us. But I'm sure everybody's up to date on kind of the current events of, you know, the wildfires that are happening in California. And it's not just uh, in Northern California. And it's not just this year. Uh, I think this happened in 17 was probably the most significant outside of uh, of 2020. But I mean, it's it, it's it's a it's like, hey, it's wintertime and it's going to snow in Boston. Right. I mean, it's going to they're going to get fires out there. So. Um, so, that, you know, typically when this happens, uh, and you've already seen a lot of, uh, a, a lot of um, uh, wineries and winemakers that said, hey, we're just not going to have a 2020 release and they're going to can them. So, Lindsay, uh, being a trailblazer, and how do we work this out, which I don't know if we got on the Marianne show, Dan, how she, um, how she met Marianne, but she's taken the smoky grapes and she's actually going to make uh she's going to make brandy 
from uh, from the grapes, and it's going to be a smoky brandy. So, uh, so that's one piece that we're going to cover with her. The next piece that we're going to cover with her is uh, they've been. It looks like they've been doing a lot of vermouthing out there. I don't know if that's actually a word or a verb. Uh, she's uh, she's definitely more educated than I am, so she can give us uh, an English lesson on that. Or if Martha Hudson's listening, she can. Uh, <laughs> hey, Lindsay, it looks like you're Thank on. Thank you. So uh, sorry about that. No worries. You know? No worries. No, we're good. Yeah. We're in the country, so yeah. <laughs> every once in a while. I, I'm from the country, and I've got a bottle. I got about two more glasses in there, so uh, I'm good for at least 22 minutes. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So, what did I miss? Well, you didn't. So, I kind of gave a breakdown. Uh, I, I did a little. Uh, not that I mean, it's like you're living under a rock if you don't know the wildfires are happening. So, I, I touched on the wildfires, and I said uh, like 2020 is, is probably one of the worst years that we've had. I think 17 was the uh, outside of 20. 17 was the last worst fire year that you had, right? Like That's getting, right. Yeah, and, and then yeah, every, they were different. Yeah, right. And every year you, you get uh, you get fires. But before we get into that, if you want to share a story or not a story, but if you want to tell a little bit about the, the hoop story and you can keep it as condensed or as long winded as you like, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, the hoop story is really, um, I guess I'm a hoops, obviously, uh, second generation proprietor. I took over the family business about eight years ago from my father, but it was not the most obvious trajectory um, really, uh, definitely not the most obvious career choice. So my dad was a farmer, um, and he basically sold wine grapes to other people for most of his career or most of his, um, career in Napa. And I absolutely hated farming at the time. I thought it was the most incredibly boring community. It was agriculture. I kept teasing him as to why he wanted me to be so educated if I was just gonna come back and be a farmer. I mean, I was, you know, maybe a recalcitrant high school student, perhaps. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I've, I've completely changed my perspective now, but I couldn't wait to get out of Napa growing up, you know, and, and Napa's changed so unbelievably since I grew up here. People always ask, you know, what was it like to grow up in Napa? And I was like, we have the Hells Angels biker bar and 81 <laughs> people and a veteran's home. I mean, it was not the lap of luxury that people think of today. And I miss that Napa in so many ways because it was, you know, I mean, it is still very truly at its heart and soul, an agricultural community, but everyone lived that life. Everyone kind of yeah. had that goal. So, you know, I mean, it was a cool childhood, but of course, when you're in it, I didn't appreciate it. And so I did everything I could to leave, including, you know, throwing a party that got me kicked out of uh, home, um, ultimately, <laughs> and sent to boarding school. So... I decided that I was never coming home and I picked a boarding school that was as far away from possible as possible from California. And that ended up being in Massachusetts. So I moved all the way across country. If I'd known at the time they had international boarding schools, I might have decided <laughs> to go there. Um, but lo and behold, I ended up... Um, you know, learning that my dad, because he had become so well known for the quality of his farming, was actually asked in 1999 whether or not somebody could use his name on their label to pay homage. And a significant part was that he actually was the reason that Napa was largely saved during the phylloxera outbreak. So for those non-wine drinkers here, um, 
Phylloxera is a disease. It's a root louse or bug that basically gets into the roots of the vine and destroys the entire vine. So the only way to recover from it is to replant. And Napa experienced a pandemic, not unsimilar to what we're doing now, that froze the industry. And we had the only vineyards that survived in their entirety. And so wow. we were selling grapes to a number of other people so that we could maintain a Napa wine industry during this pandemic. And so not like we're, I mean, it's kind of like what we're doing now. This is my own twist to it where we've got, you know, this big problem that's affecting all of us. And he just, you know, had a solution. Now, if my dad were giving this speak speech, <laughs> I guess, um, he would say that he was smart. Um, I would say that he was lucky, obviously. I mean, we were at a time where it was early in the wine industry in Napa, not, I mean, there was always a wine industry in California, sure. but it was early in terms of Napa's international acclaim. And there weren't a lot of rootstocks. There weren't a lot of disease resistant plants. So, you know, I mean, he was lucky in a lot of ways because disease hits us and you know, sometimes hey, you have a, put, you have to put yourself in a position to get lucky. I agree. It's true. And he was incredibly lucky. I mean, he had a lot of insight when he got to Napa. He didn't know anything about wine. You know, it was, we were the 42nd winery in Napa. We've got, um, you know, we planted in an area which is now Oakville, but the town of Yountville didn't exist. Oakville didn't exist. And now it's become the most famous wine growing region in the world. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he moved to a place that everyone said was the other side of the tracks. Sure. I'm not even kidding you. Mm. And he had to ask, what should I plant? And people were like, well, we think something's going to catch on with this wine thing. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, he was, he had some insight. He did it. He took the risk. Yeah. I mean, a, a gambler, I guess, right? I mean, and, and not so dissimilar to yourself and where we're going to wind up with, with this conversation and what you're doing. So uh, I didn't mean to redirect us, but I, I mean, I'm just like, I'm hearing the yeah. similarities between the two of you and like, it's that don't, and you know what, that's the other thing is, I mean, think about it. It's anybody that's really made a change in, uh, and I wouldn't even say a change in an industry, but anybody that's kind of done something that's like, holy shit, that actually worked. I mean, you took a, it was a risk. It was a chance. It was like, you know, damn, hey, I, well, I thought that was dumb, but uh, I guess it wasn't that dumb after all, you know? Well, it's, you're dead right. I mean, that's the thing about any of these decisions is they're expensive. They take time, they take a lot of courage, I have to say, because, you know, for example, I mean, in my situation, I'm looking at a $2 million loss and I've already lost an entire year's worth of revenue, but I've sunk a ton of cost into it and only an absolute you know, crazy person would throw more money at that problem, right? I mean, it's like, you gotta know when to cut your losses or do you, you know, I mean, you have to, you have to follow your instinct. You have to be brave and you're not going to succeed all the time. So, you know, on the one hand, you've got to, you got to try things and, and be willing to make mistakes, but you've got to try things because that's how innovation comes to be. I mean, that's just, that's the only, that's how it works. All <laughs> so, right, so, so you, you don't get anywhere by doing the same old thing. Yeah, so you've led me far enough down the road. Uh, I, I want to get into it. I, I can't resist. So, so the first one is, uh, so how did you get hooked up with Marianne? Honestly, it was a total chance encounter in a lot of ways. I was featured in a book called Women in Wine Country, mm. and we were doing a media junket down in Kentucky. And it was actually my first trip ever to Kentucky. Um, I had become in recent years a 
I would say a scotch enthusiast. I lived in Ireland for a long time. And then that led me to, I loved peatier, peatier, peatier whiskeys that, you know, led me to Scotland. And anyway, so I was going into Kentucky to feature this book. And it was basically around the time I found out that we were going to be unable to sell our product. We had made ultra premium wine and it tasted like an ashtray and we'd been throwing money at it for two years. And so it was exactly that same month. I went, you know, on this book junket and we had a winemaker dinner together. She was talking about the gin that she made for castle and key. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting across the table from her talking about our family wines. And I joked, I was like, you know what? I love scotch. Um, and I love wine and there has got to be some way to put these two things together. Um, I just don't believe that ash or smoke is going to be a negative thing for this somehow. And so, you know, her eyes kind of lit up and she's like, I've never made brandy. I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean, I don't even think I'd ever realized, I mean, I knew that brandy was made from wine, but I don't even think I saw that as I didn't even think about it. Um, well, brand is fruit, right? I mean, so for the people listening, I mean, think about, so the difference between moonshine and brandy is uh, with moonshine, you use corn and sugar and with brandy, you use fruit and sugar, right? Essentially. Yeah. And, and actually, well, and brandy, um, you know, is mostly made from grapes as is cognac. Yeah. Uh, or it's made from wine, I should say. Right. So it's actually fermented into wine first and then converted, whereas grapes can be the base for, you know, anything, gin, vodka, whatever. But if it's actually wine first, it's brandy or some fermented juice. <laughs> so. Yeah. So is there a, um, are you, so in, in the, so that so we don't need to get it too nerdy on the process unless you want to, we can, <laughs> but, but I'm, so you've got, uh, I don't know how many barrels you're working with. Like, are you working with a full year's uh, crop? Do we, I mean, I'm sorry, do we consider ourselves craft? Are we producing craft? I missed no, your No, 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 yeah, yeah, sorry. I was asking, uh, so how many, um, how many barrels or uh, what's, the, what's the stock look like? Is it a full year's crop that you're turning into the brandy? Oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be extraordinarily limited. So we produced um, a significant, well, I should say that the distillation process reduces the volume substantially, you know, turned into about 15%. So in 2017, 50% of my harvest was affected. And of that now, we only have 15% that we've converted into brandies. Super rare, super small quantity. Um, and then obviously every year that we make it, it sort of depends on what was affected by the fire, right? So um, every year it's going to be a bit of a bit of a grab bag as far as how much we can produce. Yeah, kind of small batch, uh, small batch brandy, I guess, right? Yeah, very small batch and very, um, it's made into premium wine first. So it goes through, you know, essentially the bottles that you have in front of you, that would be the product before we even distill it. And then we age it another two years. So you lose, you know, in every process, you lose some volume. So super craft. Hmm. So, so we got to figure out how we get on the list for a bottle to have you back on the show to review the brandy. 
I know somebody. <laughs> that's a perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a really good answer. So, so that's uh, completely different, right? I mean, I would, I, I don't, and I know it's a tight knit community out there. I mean, people are like, oh, you know, that vineyard and this vineyard, and you don't want to mention names, but it's, I mean, it's, a, it, it's kind of an incestual community of people living in the same neighborhood, doing the same thing, if you will. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, like a Madura, right? So or some more fortified wines is kind of where you go down that road. So it's kind of been done, but it's been done with, I don't know what the proper term is, but it's been done with clean grapes. And I would say, I, I don't want to use the word tainted, but you're using grapes that you that that other vineyards wouldn't see. They wouldn't meet the cue, the quality standards to go into a premium wine. This is fascinating, though, really. I, I mean, no, oh, I there she's already back. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Already back. Yeah. Okay, hey, so, yeah, sorry about that. But uh, yeah. where did I lose you? Um, so let's go back to. Um, uh, so let's start at the comment that I made talking about, you know, I didn't want to say tainted, but, and then you're getting into tainted's okay. And because you're making premium wine, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess the whole point is, is that taint, taint does, as you point out, have a negative connotation, but what I'm, what I'm trying to emphasize is that everyone here starts mm. making wine in the vineyard. Um, and we only make, we only grow grapes for wine. Right. And so an ultra premium wine at that, because Napa is a premier wine growing region. It's one of the best recognized for quality specifically. And smoke does not correlate with what people consider a quality paradigm or requirement for ultra premium wine. But I don't think smoke and in fact, we know smoke can have a beautiful impact on products in the spirits world mm -hmm. to the point where people actually try to recreate it. Um, you know, they do it at the initial stage in, in scotch. They do it, you know, they try to impart smoky characteristics through barreling and actual processes that are undertaken in production. So smoke isn't a taint. In fact, it's a coveted asset. Yeah. of a lot of spirit. Well, shit, so that's kind of where the innovation comes in. Yeah, I mean, think about, I mean, you can go to, uh, I can start naming restaurants in San Francisco, well, even Napa, and I can go and pay $30 for a smoked Manhattan that they're putting wood chips in and a smoker <laughs> in there. I mean, they're infusing smoke into my drink in front of me and, and, I'm, and I'm begging for that, right? And I want it and I'm going to pay extra for it. And, and again, I, I get, you know, I, I, and, and that's where I was kind of going, right? Is I mean, you know, people are, oh, you know, it's smoky and it's tainted and it's like, well, you know, I think what you're doing is, uh, I don't know, re revolutionary probably doesn't even explain it. And I, I, I'm going somewhere with this, but I mean, it, it's really, I mean, how many millions of tons of grapes have been just like, you know, chuck it out the window and you've just lost, you know, everything, right? Literally, um, instead of like, Hey, what do we do with these? And how, I mean, I'm, it's probably, you know, if you're using it to feed animals and such, but anyway, you know, maybe not a loss, but definitely not in the, the Avenue where you're selling wine out of it. Um, but I guess where I'm kind of going with this open, get us off track is, is the, so, so Napa specifically, uh, you know, there's one winery out there that, you know, people are like, you know, really, uh, anyway, um, 
uh, are, are your partners and colleagues out there, are they looking at you like, you know, what in the hell is this lady doing? <laughs> is, it, or are they, is it field of dreams or are they on yeah. board? Yeah. <laughs> or, or are they like, Oh my God, I can't believe she's doing this. And they're going to produce this product out of Napa. Like you got to shut that off. We're known for one thing. Yeah. No, I actually think that a lot of people are wondering why, you know, I don't want to say we're the first to think of it because you, you just never know, but I mean, it's not that easy to pivot to some extent. So I will say that, you know, you have to have a distiller or know what you're doing. You have to be able to find a distillery to, you know, to distill the facility because, you know, the equipment is completely different, right? So conceptually, it's like, if you know how to make wine, it doesn't mean you know how to make a spirit, even if it's sort of the same thing when you start. So, you know, there's that. I mean, you have to be resourceful and, and, look to the to find those things um and that's where i would say a lot of people maybe just weren't looking outside their box but i think we all have seen industries where they keep doing the things that they're doing because it works and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're looking at all of the opportunities that are right in front of their face Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know how many times have we all sat around and go like why didn't i think of that or Mm -hmm. like why didn't i do that or i did think about it but i never told anyone and i was on you know I just like went to bed and didn't do anything about it. I mean, those are, I was at a place where I just didn't feel like I had that choice. I mean, I'm not going to throw, I can't even throw alcohol away. I have to pay to get rid of it. So I'm not going to throw it away and I'm going to find a solution because I have to support my family. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wasn't going to let it go. Yeah. A hell, hell of an idea. I mean, I, I don't know if I read or I think I read it, but you made a statement um, and, and I didn't I don't I didn't pay attention to the year. It's irrelevant to me. But uh, you, you made a statement in somebody asked you like, hey, what are you doing to uh, what are you doing different in the industry? And you're like, uh, you're I'm paraphrasing again. So you, you said you want to bring wine to, you know, a different uh, uh, age group, if that's a fair statement, you're like, well, you know, it's, you have, we've got young people and we've got mature people and I'm kind of in the middle. And how do I start to bridge that gap? And how do I, how do I diversify, you know, our, uh, not just your brand, but the industry and the distillate specifically, or the, the wine specifically, how do you push that across, uh, you know, multiple genres? And, and I mean, I think this is an absolutely fantastic, idea uh you know we're we're rooting you on a hundred percent and 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 i i think it works man i think it's really cool right and and it's i think it's another way because you probably got a lot of people that are drinking that you know i'm a wine drinker and i don't drink alcohol you know i, I don't drink you know hard hard booze and i mean what a great segue you know uh, uh, a segue or or a, a, a bridge into hey well it's really just wine it's just a little higher proof i mean let me kind of go down this road with you yeah well, like the gateway drug <laughs> i used to use in my old profession right <laughs> nice <laughs> that's what i said about this needle i'm like i've never uh, you know i'm not a, i'm not a user but i feel like when i shove it in there i'm like going i don't know this is kind of weird to me man <laughs> So Lindsay, you know, yeah, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you. So, uh, and this is for specifically right now. You're working on what the 2017 vintage is. What you guys are working on now? With- well, generally speaking, um, so we are finishing the 2017 vintage because I 
made the wine. So that was a two year process. Mm -hmm. And that's when we made the decision that we had to pivot. And I don't think that the 2020, we're also working on the 2020 simultaneously because we had harvest right in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But we're looking at the 2020 harvest with an eye to make the brandy from the beginning, if mm-hmm. you will, because yeah. we already know that it's not going to be suitable for wine production. Okay. And I, I didn't know that in 2017, but I know that today, so. Okay, well, good. So, yeah. you're, so you're starting out, yeah, you're gonna be able to start from the foundation versus, hey, I've already got something and now we need, we need to fortify after the fact versus let's go ahead and distill in the beginning. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, so I'm, I'm already asking for two bottles because uh, <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> no, but I mean, but I'm saying it's going to be really cool to take a look at. So I, you, you took, uh, you, you took, um, you took something that was, uh, that was not satisfactory and you couldn't do anything with it. And you, and then, and now you're going to, you're going to kind of, you know, you're going to push that into, uh, a, a, a good drinkable product. And now you're going to take, uh, you're going to start the process with another right premium, good drinkable product. So it's going to be interesting to see like, what's the flavor profiles and did it really change? Cause I mean, like, no kidding, man. I mean, this is like, I mean, very seriously, this is maybe an industry saving, um, uh, solution that you've come up with because I mean I've already seen and we don't need to go through the names of the of wineries but I mean there there are a lot of wineries that already said hey we're not going to have a 2020 vintage yeah. right yeah. and and they're not looking for so you know now I'm kind of scratching my head and I'm going well shit are these um, like think about all the craft distilleries craft breweries I mean are they like hey we'll we'll I'll take your grapes Right. I mean, you, you don't pay to get rid of them. I, I'll take them for, I'll pay to come and get them just in, and it won't cut. It costs you nothing. And then what do you turn that into? And I mean, it's endless, right? Well, and I've actually gotten a ton of calls in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. We had basically our first media push with the LA times and food and wine, because mm-hmm. they got wind that we were doing this. And I've had growers call me from all over the Valley saying, you know, some pretty sad stories of like, you're cut, you're giving us hope because we had no insurance. We have yeah. no idea what to do. Can you help? And I love that because for the last, however many years that I've been in Napa, one of the things that I've really been advocating for is to save the family farms and, sure. you know, save, make this industry viable for these families that really rely on it. Napa is a luxury destination, but it's not made up of all, you know, billionaires by any stretch of the imagination. It's made up of a lot of small artisanal farmers that happen to be in a fabulous location. But, you know, I, I hope that this actually is industry saving at a minimum for the small families that when they run into this issue, they are literally SOL from a a revenue perspective. And so hopefully this will be a profit share opportunity, something that we can come up with that they don't suffer a total loss. And I'll tell you, insurance companies are, I mean, not even insuring people's homes anymore here. So, you know, it's a, you know, we want to keep people here. We want to keep Napa producing the premium quality stuff and you have to give people a lifeline. If, if they're, if mother nature is putting a stop and you know, the government can only do so much. We have to help each other. It's a community. So it is incestuous, but a community has to rise together. And this is one really cool way for us to gather together to say, 
it might not be the ideal solution, but at least we can help each other get through this harvest. Yeah, well, I mean, so. most of most of us ex- experience Napa regularly, uh, virtually, right? And when I say virtually, it's in the form of a of a glass, right? And something I bought from uh, you know from your area, but you Feels know, tangible it, to me, but yeah. Well, so you know, so the thing is, like, you know, it's. I mean, I've been to Napa several times. Dan's been a lot more than I have, and you know, I guess you know, if you if you you know, most when you're going, it's it's vacation, right? It's fun. You're having a good time, and everything looks. Uh, everything's great and then when you leave you're uh you're still drunk and you're hungover so you're still how you're still having a good time right (laughs) but what what we don't see behind the scenes is you know the work that yourself and everyone else right i mean all your um uh, your neighbors and partners etc are putting in to make it that destination to show up to so you know this again i'll get off this uh this soapbox in a minute but I, i just i think it's amazing that one i mean it's has it been done i don't know it probably has it's just uh do we want to do that i mean why would you you don't have to do that because you're napa and everybody wants your wine you don't have to go down that road but now again it's uh it's out of necessity and uh i think it's a hell of an idea yeah well but that's all how you think about it right like when you say napa doesn't have to do it i mean look at cognac right why is cognac unique Napa has that same ability. I remember one of the biggest lessons I learned, you know, with all this scuffle with my dad about farming. What, <laughs> when I came back to apply for my job, if you will, um, because all of a sudden he's making wine. So it's now a sexy job, of course, you know, right. I'm in college. It's like, okay, cool. So I rush home and I report to duty and my dad's like, why the hell would I hire you? You have zero work experience and you made the biggest mistake. He I'm said it wasn't daughter. about farming. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, that's what I said. I was like, uh, nepotism. You need me. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. Um, so, you know, I mean, he was in the military. He knows better than that. But um, I tried. So, but what was interesting about that was that, you know, farming was ultimately the most important job. And what he said to me was, in order to make great wine, you have to grow good grapes. And I'm sure you've heard that every minute that you were in the Napa Valley. But there's a reality to the fact that what you put into the product actually correlates to the quality of the output, right? I mean, it seems obvious, but for whatever reason, um, you know, it might not be clear. So with smoke taint, what's interesting is smoke taint doesn't undo the quality of what you put into the still because the grapes themselves are still ultra premium quality. They're still grown under the best conditions with the care that you would put in for ultra premium grapes. So Mm -hmm. all hand harvested and all of those things that make great wine. So the input is actually prime for an ultra premium spirit. And that's how I like to think of it because you know, when you think about cognac, yeah, it's grapes, but it's grapes from a region. Why is that important? It's because of how they handle them, because of the type of grape that goes into it. So, you know, it's, I actually think that Napa is probably the prime destination for creating this new category, in my mind, very inventive. And you hear stories right now around COVID of people shifting and, you know, making hand sanitizer. That, that's not what this is. Like you could make a far less expensive product and, you know, not invest the time, the money, the energy. Marianne and I would never have put our names to a product that we were not beyond excited about. 
And I say that because we've declassified the wines, right? If I just wanted my name on a bottle, I would have turned it into wine. And 25% of the population wouldn't have known it was smoke tainted because people can't tell. Mm. Well, think, so, think about, so I'm going to go back to the Merlot. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to go to, yeah. to, to the Merlot. And, uh, you know, when I'm looking for something, I mean, like I like, uh, you know, I love Pinot, but I, I like Pinot from, uh, from SLC. Right or SLH, I'm sorry. Right, so not, not the 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 area, the region. Right, I mean, I'm like but, you know, most people. Yeah, most people that are drinking. No, no, no. The region, the region. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, like most people that are drinking Pinot, I mean, it's like they want it like grape juice, and like that's not what Pinot should be to me. I mean, Pinot should be like a good, bold, nice, sturdy, you know, earthy. And like, so the Merlot that I tasted, uh, your, the Hoops Merlot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing is like really. I mean, it's it it stands up, man. I mean, that's a thick, beefy like wine. I mean, it's uh, it's earthy, it's smoky. I mean, I'm getting every everything that we're talking about. And I'm like, I, I mean, I get it to, that it's a different smoke, but it's still that earthy smokiness, leather cigar. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think that the, the wine kind of resembles that in itself. You yeah. know, Cal sent me this, this Merlot, um, Lindsay, and I'll tell you, it is fantastic. I'm getting that leathery type heat, like he's talking about as well. Now this is how mountain you guys produce this every year under normal conditions. Are you guys doing the same kind of Merlot from there? From- So we actually do grow Merlot in various places of the valley, Mm -hmm. but the history of the Howl Mountain Merlot is that our winemaker at the time, um, you know, when we thought about doing a Merlot, she loves mountain Merlot and Mm -hmm. we don't actually own any hillside vineyard. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up contracting for that specific fruit to make that wine because what I want to do always is tell a story through our wine. And as we added our winemaker onto the team, you know, basically telling her story was important as well. And she felt revolutionized and kind of inspired by mountain Merlot fruit. So that's why we sought out to find it. But, you know, most of our story as a family is rooted in Cabernet because we live in Cabernet. (laughs) Like we live on the Valley floor. Most of our vineyards are down in Oakville, which is, in my opinion, definitely the best place to grow Cabernet. And so I don't think it's right to grow Pinot, for example, which is, as Cal mentioned, it's a fabulous grape. It's one of my favorites too, but it's not going to do particularly well where I live. You can't try to force something on a farming, it it won't work. Mm -hmm. And so how Mount Merlot is special because it's Mountain Merlot Mm -hmm. and I don't own any, so I had to borrow. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I'm glad you did, for sure. <laughs> well, we might be having some of that brandy later on. I've got it in tanks, so. Nice. Okay, cool. That's cool. Yeah, nice. Well, we're up to three bottles now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, send, I'll send a label. I'll send a label. <laughs> yeah, well, 2020, we'll have... So, we actually distilled everything down to varietal, to the varietals. Um, so, we kind of took the wine as it would have been in 2017, the Cab, the Rosé, those were the two that were primarily affected in 2017. Right. And we distilled them. So they have this really interesting aura of like the variety. Like it smells like Cabernet. It smells like Rosé and they're very unique and specific. And so this year, all of our red grapes were affected. So we have Merlot as its own unique mm-hmm. um, designate. All we did was we produced our whites, but all of our reds were affected. Mm-hmm. So we're approaching them as separate wines and separate distillates. 
So I, I and you may not be able to mention. So I haven't seen any uh, uh, names or labels yet. I, I don't care about the labels, but is there a naming convention that you're kind of going with, or <laughs> you don't want to share that yet? Well, I will definitely put this out your out there to your viewership. If somebody can come up with the best name, you know, I, they'll definitely, if they're the winner, get a bottle. Oh, nice. Um, so we're willing to take submissions. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that was been, that has been so interesting is I didn't expect um, to necessarily be talking about the product yet because I didn't realize 2020 would come and, and present with all these fires. And so the reason we started talking about the project, even though we have but released it is because I do think it can help the industry, mm -hmm. especially in a year of COVID where everybody has right. already been kicked in the face. Everybody's screwed. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, what happened next? I mean, my entire community is being decimated by this, by the wildfires. And mm -hmm. so I felt an obligation in a lot of respects to say, like, I might not have the solution for everyone, but I might be able to help. I mean, that's really why we started talking about it. And mm -hmm. so we are in the development phases. I think we have some great ideas, but I definitely am open to hearing some, um, you know, concepts, some support. You know, we've got, we're good, but, you know, crowdfunding and crowdsourcing helps too. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, I don't want to, uh, hopefully this isn't a good, good light, but uh, so you mentioned it earlier and I, I don't know the, uh, revenue percentages that are happening, you know, in, in the Valley and such from, um, the tourist industry, I would imagine it is heavy, uh, extremely heavy. I mean, obviously if you're making wine, I mean, you're shipping, you're selling to other places, but, uh, what's the, like the, the, uh, the distribution of this stuff looking like for you guys, like trying to get it out. Right. So if I'm ordering from you, which is a great time, how can I buy your wine? So you can actually buy our, our wine online, obviously because of the three tier system, we do sell through distributors and we do have placements throughout the country, but it's always easiest to go online, uh, www.hoopsvineyard.com. Mm -hmm. And if you email any address at that website, you'll get me. So if you want to chat, give me a shout. I can be your phone, a friend with wine advice, whatever it is. Nice. Um, but I think, you know, we would sell through our regular distribution channel, but we're going to have so little that it will probably be winery direct. Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, exactly. um, you know, what, one of the things that we're looking to is how can we potentially, you know, if this smoked profile is extremely desirable in and of itself, um, you know, there may be an opportunity for a secondary product, which is, you know, like more of a repeatable project. So in, We'll have the Mother Nature indigenous rare version and then hopefully maybe an annual version because I think the quality is that interesting yeah. that we're hoping to create a product that, you know, continues. And Scotch, obviously, is a smokehouse product. So maybe this can be, too. So we'll see. And that one maybe we'll be more broadly distributed. Well, I'm getting even more excited just hearing your story about, you know, your international travels and being a Scotch fan. And then now saying how you can kind of see the similarities or just how, how, how excited you are about it. Just knowing that you have been tasting it along the way and just having that kind of background. It's just, it's exciting. I, I can't wait. Cal is pouring the rosé. So here we go. Oh, sorry. I was busy. <laughs> And I, I couldn't resist. I've got this busy up. doing man things. I love it. <laughs> it exactly. I'm. Mean, I get to stab things with this needle. So, so this, and, this, and, is this yeah. made with cab from from your site there? 
Yeah. Okay, so cool. actually, the red wine, the red wine that um, Cal has, mm-hmm. the Hoops Vineyard Oakville, mm-hmm. it's the same wine, mm-hmm. more or less, if you want to think of it that way, but just in two completely different styles. Oh, I, I, hey, that's exactly why Dan has the Merlot, and I kept the Cab <laughs> and the and the Rosé. <laughs> Typical. Typical. Nice. And Cal? So... Uh, you mentioned garden. You didn't mention any meat. I don't know if you're a vegetarian or not. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking uh, I'll take a um, I'll take a lamb curry with uh, some little like a chutney kind of on the side, like a real spicy chutney. Get, uh, you know, some jasmine rice, and um, you know what else would go good with this would be like a little, some kind of a cucumber dill salad kind of thing. I mean, that would really, uh, that'd really go well. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, so. Um, it has that is, really nice mid palate. It's round and cold. No, no, this this is not. Uh, so if you notice, the uh, people that weren't watching, so I use that uh, the the pen again to extract some wine without having to open it. Uh, I may share some of this with Dan if it makes it through the night. <laughs> Probably I won't because it won't make it through. But uh, I guess my point is that like this is not the twist off top. Not there's nothing wrong with twist off tops. I don't mean that negative. But if you're going to the store and buying the uh, you know the ten buck rosé that you might mix with something, or you're going to pour it over ice. Uh, I mean, it definitely has a lot more body than that. Um, I'm getting, uh, it is, it is refreshing. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it light. So again, my reference earlier to a different, uh, uh, different wine, but th- this is, yeah. I mean, this is a really nice rosé. I mean, it's take uh, like a case. Fantastic story. You know, the one thing that I love about her story is just the fact that, you know, she's second generation. It's not this, you know, large conglomerate and the billionaire kind of thing. You and you, you and I, when we go to places like Napa, the one thing that we look for are people like Lindsay and her story, because we love that proprietor, the, the owner, the one that's been there forever. And they have that passion for it. They're, they, they got lucky because they, they got to the right place or whatnot, but they're, they're still doing it. They didn't sell out and they're passionate about it. I love that whole story. And I, I love finding places like that, you know, and I mean, there's, there's nothing I admire more than that kind of vineyard right there. And especially the success, right? Yeah. And I mean, t- for me, like it, that this makes me want to drink hoops, wine, yeah. uh, brandy, vermouth, even more. Yeah. And, and I'm joking about the, uh, you know, hey, can I get a bottle? Actually, yeah. I'm not joking. But <laughs> but no, but I mean, like, th- I mean, this is stuff like we don't, we're not promoting stuff on here. I shouldn't say promoting. That's a bad word to use. We're not trying to review labels and brands just to review labels and brands i mean these are people that we want to connect with i mean you know think about some of the folks that we've had on and you know it's you know these are not the big names i mean these are the people that are actually impacting a community and making a difference and i think that that's you know and she said it best like you know they've got their garden that they keep uh, running year round yeah that they serve on the screw the name up uh, the oasis the oasis yeah. oasis right yeah, yeah. And, and and i mean but that's all i mean those are the places that even before we started doing the show dan yeah i mean those are the places that you and i out. sought out yeah yeah i mean that that's that's what we looked for it's just now it's like hey when i go to, when i go to napa 
where do I go? Well, the first place I'm going the next time I go to Napa is Hoops, is Hoops Vineyard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm ringing the damn doorbell, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not coming, I'm not coming in until Lindsay shows up at the door. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not promoting that. So don't do that. That may not be the best way. to No, end. definitely <laughs> want to schedule first. But um, so, you know, one of the things we can get her back on, I want to get her back on um, another show and we'll, we'll continue this discussion. We got so much more to cover that, you know, we we're trying to get through, you know, the, the new thing with the um, with the brandy and then you got into the vermouth and, you know, definitely being a pioneer in terms of pivoting as an industry is it's, it's all fascinating, but there's so much more to hoops that I want to know about, you know, like if, every day, it seems like her life's a movie and like who no, wouldn't but, love this, this lifestyle. Yeah. Well, Hey, so, okay. So to the ringmaster, uh, Kevin yeah. Bernardo, uh, I mean, he, so I was watching something earlier and we always do a little bit of research on people. I shouldn't say a little bit, but I mean, we like to, figure out who we're talking to, right? I mean, it's only fair because uh, as big of a dipshit as I am, I want to try and approach this thing in like a, like a decent manner. Yeah. And so we'd like to kind of catch up on people and see who they are and what are they done. And she's got, uh, so there's a donkey out there in the vineyard. She's got all these little critters running around. I'm like, why, I'm like, why does Bernardo not have these critters like wrangled up into the circus? He could do a, he could do a spot right do there at the on, thing. Yeah. On premise yes. at hoops. Yes. That would be fun. I'm, I'm sure when the when the valley gets cranking back up again they should definitely do the Bernarda circus at hoops you know that would be kind of cool to see with that i hope we get a ticket i hope we get a ticket too but no i mean her fascinating story i mean if we just touch the surface of it i hope she comes back on um i it's that story of of, of her growing up in napa Back in back in the eighties or whatnot, and not wanting to be there, not wanting to be there. It's not untold. There's 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 several people in the valley that have a similar story, but I love it every time because they get, they get drawn back in. And you and I know we've talked about this enough to where we're like, okay, you know, how close do you want to get to something that's romantic before you make it, you know, non-romantic in terms of being a career or whatever it is? But it sounds like you know, with her story, that um, she probably got some of that right. And of course, right now she's probably living it with the with the smoke stuff or whatnot but it still sounds so fun in terms of her lifestyle and we love we love those stories for sure yeah uh, yeah. How do I get the room with the uh, windmill out back overlooking the vineyard? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need the baby. Don't need the baby. No. Um, <laughs> but I do need uh, I do need some of that brandy. <laughs> I got to think about the last time I've had. Which I mean, brand, so if you think about brandy, I mean it is cognac, right? I mean it's just it's like. Um, it's like champagne and sparkling wine. Yep. I mean, the only reason sparkling wine is sparkling wine is because it's not from the champagne region of France and you can't call it champagne. The only reason brandy is brandy is because it's not from the cognac region and you can't call it cognac. I mean, it's, it's like bourbon. You know, it's, it's the same label, same design. It's the same stuff. And oftentimes, you know, I, mean, you, I guess you kind of get hooked on with some biases of, you know, hey, oh, this is my, you know, I'm only drinking this. But, you know, again, so I know it's called birdies and bourbon. And, you know, I, I when I'm reaching out Dan, to, to um, uh, or people are reaching out to me and they're like, hey, I know it's bourbon, but uh, we're a winery. Could would you be interested in having us on your show? And I'm like, don't don't let the bourbon fool you. Right. I mean, that's alcohol. Right. And it's just it, it sounded catchy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we thought, OK, well, we'll go with that. But that's the thing is, you know, it, it's I, I guess the point of the you know, where I'm trying to get to is, 
you know, really it, it's, there are so many good juices, uh, be it wine, uh, whiskey, bourbon, gins. I'm not a big vodka drinker. Uh, if I'm drinking vodka, I'm drinking Hope Springs Distillery. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, outside of that, there are so many different people that are making good juice these days. I mean, don't, don't be close-minded to, oh, I'm not drinking a brandy from Napa because that's not where brandy comes from. And they're known for their wine. Yeah. Well, guess what? They are known for their wine. And, and as, uh, as Lindsay mentioned, you know, it's it's the quality of the product that's going in. And just because there was a uh, an exception that happened to that harvest doesn't mean that the product still is a quality and it can't be turned into something. Uh, it, it's salvageable and it's more than salvageable. I just can't produce the same premium wine that I was producing. I'm now going to turn it into a different spirit that fits my flavor, flavor profile and hopefully uh, that measures up with, uh, you know, what are, what are, uh, uh, fan based drinks. I'll tell you my fantasy and my, uh, well, I'm just going to paint a picture for you in terms of, um, you know, what I see happening here. Okay. This is, gonna, this is, uh, I'm foreshadowing. Okay. I'd love to hear that. All right. So September, 2021, sun, sun, oh, hold on, hold on. Don't interrupt me. Sunday, <laughs> 6 PM Pacific time. Dan's one and done wins the Safeway open. Well, hold on. Are, are we are we actually in Napa watching it happen? Well, hold on. So I think Dan's one no. and done wins the Safeway Open, Ooh. and we're there. And then we then we'll head on back to Hoops, and we'll we'll celebrate with some with some uh, this brandy. Oh, we're gonna have some brandy. We're yeah. gonna have some curry. Yeah, absolutely. In that meal that she was talking about, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A fresh yeah. garden, little rosé. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, a little rosé to top off that spiciness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, hey, let me, let me just tell you, uh, you may not see Dan for the rest of the night after that spicy dish. <laughs> oh boy, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this one up, buddy. That was so much fun. Uh, I think she'll come back on. We can we can touch on some of those other other subjects in terms of more of the history on how they got started. I know she touched on it a little bit, but I want to hear more of that story um, and some of the, you know, some of the the challenges they had and how they overcame them in terms of a vineyard and getting into production after farming for so long and that kind of stuff because it's such fascinating. It's really good stuff. So, yeah, it, you know, they got some good um, good uh, insight there. Yeah, and Lindsay, if you're still listening to the show. It's three bottles of brandy, and I'll take all the vermouth you've got. I, I would love, I would love to do a show exclusively on vermouth and do a vermouth tasting with you. It, it like that would uh, that that make my uh, that make my year. Mine too. Make my year. Mine too. All right. Uh, well, here's to uh, thanks to Hoops Vineyard for coming on. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.